Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize. I'm John and that's Ian. What up? Not much. I mean, there was some video game announcements over the week, which were sweet. I know you're excited about Andromeda. Oh, that's a fact. <laughs> but there's also this, these magic things that have been happening recently. And those are awesome too. But today is episode 37, Eyes on the Mail, because we're finally doing that mailbag episode we've been promising for like a month. Mail time! Oh yes, it's going to be <laughs> so much fun. We just had to find a good week for it. <laughs> Pretty much, and this actually turns out to be a, a fairly good re- week for it for a variety of reasons. Uh, before we oh, do, yeah. before we hit the mailbag, let's turn our eyes to the community because we had a modern GP out in Dallas, and Kevin Mackey won with Scred Red. Yes, this is like some ridiculous kind of old school-ish kind of controlly mid-range deck it's weird Stormbreath dragon has won a grand prix again and it's amazing so for those who don't know scred is the card from cold snap which is a single red for an instant that you deal damage to target creature equal to the number of wait for it snow permanents you control yeah so this so you're going to get your snow permanents because it runs 20 snow covered mountains and two scrying sheets, which is a snow land that basically you, it can it can tap for one to add uh, a wingdings to your mana pool, so you're colorless. And then you can tap one and snow, and snow is like can be paid with one mana from any snow permanent. So scrying sheets can indeed pay into another scrying sheets. Uh, but it's one is snow. Tap. Look at the top card of your library. If that card is snow, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. So snow is a uh, super type. Much like basic and legendary kind of is. It won't count towards your Tarmogoyfs, but it will count towards your Screds. Yeah, because uh, like for the Snowcard Mountains, it says basic snow land. So. Oh, yes. Um, and so the deck's a mono-red control deck, basically. Um, tries to win the game with Stormbreath Dragons or um, Koth of the Hammers. In fact, Koth. I think Koth's Ultimate is one of the more popular ways to win the game with it. I think he actually won the GP. I, yes. I, Missed the last match. I think like the so his emblem. So Cough of the Hammer is from uh, Scars ah, Meriden. Yeah, I was looking at the thing. So he has a two red red Planeswalker Cough. Uh, he comes in at three loyalty. Uh, his plus one says untapped target mountain. It becomes a four four red elemental creature until end of turn. It is still land. So very in flavor for red. You know, you untap. You know, swing with an elemental off the bat. Uh, has a he has a minus two. It says. Add R to your mana pool for each mountain you control. So, decent way to, you know, get some ramp going on, especially if you're in mid, mid-game and you stick a Koth. You can just minus two him and play something like a Stormbreath Dragon or Monstrous Stormbreath Dragon, for that matter. Uh, and it has a minus five ultimate of you get an emblem with mountains you control have tap. This land deals one damage to target creature or player. So, if you go late in the game, you can just be like, tap your lands and ping your opponent to death. Yeah, Koth is a very powerful magic card in excuse me, in the right strategies. Just because untapping a four four every turn and bashing is pretty good. Yeah, so one one kind of really cool tech that was included in this deck, um, namely because of the ubiquitous nature of dredge that's now in the format and other graveyard centric decks is this one's four relic of progenitus, but it runs two eternal scourge, which is the three mana 3-3 three, three Eldrazi Horror that from uh, Eldritch Moon that says, 
You may cast Eternal Scourge from Exile. When Eternal Scourge becomes the target of a spell or ability and opponent controls, Exile Eternal Scourge. So most of your removal is just going to put it into Exile where you can just recast and put it on the battlefield. But with the Relic of Progenitus, you can actually target yourself if Eternal Scourges hit the graveyard somehow. And you can Exile your, your own Eternal Scourge to cast it off of your Relic of Progenitus, which is freaking hilarious and was done a lot. The, the better interaction is the fact that the deck runs a single Chandra Torch of Defiance, whose plus one ability exiles the top card of your library, and if you choose not to cast it, you shock each opponent. You can plus Chandra, exile an Eternal Scourge, choose not to cast it from Chandra's cost, shocking your opponent, and then cast Eternal Scourge. It's great. It, there's there's so many little intricacies in this deck that just is like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um... I the remember looking up a credit and they said that currently a foil snow-covered mountain is the same price as is Narset Transcendent. Yeah, the prices on snow-covered mountains jumped from like, you know, whatever to it's like 2-3 bucks now for a snow-covered mountain. It's kind of yeah. funny. But, you know, it'll go down. But it's it's a cool little deck. Um I don't it's just one of those like came out of nowhere and we have to we'd be remiss if we said the second place went to grixis control for those who said mid-range and control and modern are dead no well let's also not not, let's not ignore the fact that you know three of the top eight decks were infect decks as you are wont to play i mean you know like what can i say (laughs) infect is love infect is life infect is a is a good deck and if you're playing a modern tournament you should be able to have a game plan for when it shows up yeah, and there was a Jeskai Drago control deck in the top four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's Dredge was fifth, Valka Breach was seventh, and the other three slots, third, fifth, and, or third, sixth, and eighth were all infect. So it's modern is not as dead as people say it is. So, yeah. A lot of stuff you can do in modern as long as you can predict the metagame correctly. Yes. Other eyes of the community news Ian, we, we each guested on a stream over the weekend. Yeah, we did. Uh, we, uh, streamer. Ilian T- or Ilian TV or Cam had his annual pickle challenge where he uh, streams for a while as long as donations come in and has a very assortment of hosts who call in and he has I think where it's like fifty dollars or more gets you a spin on his pickle wheel. Uh, he does not like pickles. Uh, oh, it was it came up it came up in his chat one time like oh it's a food you eat pickles like well someone was like oh, I'll donate money if you eat some pickles and it turned into this whole stream thing he does every year donating money for or raising money for doctors without borders of which this year he raised seven thousand four hundred and thirty five dollars so big ups to cam i co-hosted on saturday night unfortunately due to uh internet derpage uh on magic online's account due to it he needed to restart his computer because he'd been streaming for so long and then when he restarted his computer magic online just didn't work and then I ran into Wedge's time. But we drafted Dark Ascension, Innistrad, Innistrad, and we had this ridiculous mill deck that had three Curse of the Bloody Tomes and a couple other things. Like, we actually came within a turn of beating our opponent both games. Uh, it was single elimination, so we ended up just you know, dropping after one game. But it was still a good time. Was, I'm happy he had me on. And then, John, you were on Sunday. Yes, I was on Sunday after he crashed because he was supposed to be streaming for 60 hours straight. And then he was just like, I am falling asleep currently on stream. I'm going to take a nap. Um, and then he got, jumped on later on Sunday, where I jumped in, and we did three drafts of Kaladesh. Um, the first two drafts were like four-colored green decks, and we proceeded to play against four Ruler Virtuoso decks, which were also four-colored green decks, and we Ooh. didn't have a Virtuoso, which was really sad. Mm-hmm. Then we did a third draft where we f- pack one picked one Electrostatic Pummeler, 
and we drafted um, basically a red-black aggro deck or a mono-red aggro deck with pummelers. And in that draft, we opened a ruler virtuoso. It was just pure ah! justice. <laughs> Ruined. It was it was it was miserable, but had a lot of fun. Raised a lot of money for Doctors Without Borders. Um, I think this was like a thousand more than he raised last year too, which was fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, I think he was like he was like mid six hundred. Oh, and he shaved his head too. Yes, he did shave his head. I don't know if he got to the shave his eyebrows part though. No, I don't think he did either. I think he dodged that one. He actually raised above what he would would needed to shave his head, but Wedge kind of talked him into lowering the value, and he got it automatically. Mm. So it was great. Sweet justice. Um, and I don't know if we talked about it before, but there was a um, quote uh, emergency ban in Popper. Drake's dead. It's finally dead. It's not Long emergency, but yeah, you know, it's not emergency because they refuse to use that language. But they're like, oh, the online metagame is different, so. Yep, that uh, happened. Peregrine Drake's gone. Finally, Popper can be filled with fair decks. It's well, like, more fair decks. It's like Splinter Twins banning, basically. Yeah. Um, so, is it going to be more of Marasatron of Ian's old list? Are we going to see Affinity gonna, rise I'm from gonna, the depths? I'm going to dust off Popper again, because yeah. I've kind of been taking a break when Drake was in the format. I think you... I think well, a lot of it was... Were. It was a happy. Con- it was kind of a confluence of like work being crazy, and Drake being in the format. That I was just like, I don't have time for Popper, so yeah. I'm back. I'll, I'll probably be back playing some more though. Oh but yes. Anyway, let's crack um, open that mailbag. Real quick, one thing before we get to the mailbag. Um, the new changes to the treasure chest happened today. Um, I would recommend you go find Lee's tweet about them because it's a lot of numbers and a lot of stuff, and we want to get to the mail. Oh yeah, like it'd be we'd be talking for another fifteen twenty minutes if we were gonna talk about that. But changes are happening. They are listening. Base we'll Watson. see how we'll see how the community reacts. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, because you know it's a magic community, so we'll see. Yeah, everybody's gonna overreact and then underreact, and everything will be fine. Anyways, mail time. Mail so, time. So our first suite of questions was is from underscore Ganondorf underscore on Twitter. I didn't realize that um, we actually got coverage out in Hyrule. I- I'm very pleased with that. Got to got to make them rupees. Exactly. Um, and um, Charlie, I hope you hope they forgive us for using the real name. Um, sent us four questions. Uh, one is a two-parter, which I will forgive this time and this time only. I'm kidding. Um, first question: What set did you start playing? So for me, I started playing way back around Tempest. So that's like. 96, 97 ish, I think. I think that's way back in the day. The right time. Yeah, it was 96, 97 when they started playing. So they're on Tempest block and the Wrath cycle, basically. How about you? Uh, I started set. I or my first set that I remember playing was Scourge, uh, because I bought the. Um, I think I've told this story before, but I will tell it again. Uh, we were at uh, Peter Pan's Toys out in uh, out in Nashville, and I got this little starter, one of the intro decks, as we as we know. Now is Planeswalker decks, and it was the blue red deck because it had a sweet looking like aqueous person on the front, who ended up being scornful egotist because the deck had a CMC Matters theme. Scourge was the last set in Onslaught, which had Morph, and scornful egotist was actually a bomb in that deck because it turns out oh, that when yeah. you're Torrent of Flames or your Rush of the Mind to drawing eight cards or dealing eight damage, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's you know. Especially when you only have four mana to get that eight CMC creature in play. Yeah, that's never a bad thing. 
Nope, nope. Especially when it's just a 1-1 with no other abilities. I mean, that's where you start looking at, you know, at CMC, which... It is a mattered. wizard. Wizard. It also has one of my favorite card names in Mischievous Quenar, which is a morph card I kind of hoped they brought back, but kind of happy they didn't. Because <laughs> you could turn it face down. You could, you could unmorph it to fork a spell, and then you could pay mana to turn it back face down. Oh, jeez. And you could, like, do that. <laughs> If you had enough mana, it was like nine mana to flip it and then un- unmorph it. So that's kind of goofy. It is very goofy. It's a very goofy card. Uh, next question from Ganondorf is, "What is your job?" So, Ian, I know that I've mentioned several times that you are in our United States military. Um, yep. I don't I know am... if you've gone any more into depth exactly what you do for for the U.S. Army. Not really. Um, so I am in the army, and my job is a intel systems maintainer. Uh, basically, the the real long job title is military intelligence systems integrator maintainer. Just a long, giant, verbiose uh, title for basically intel geek squad. Um, I fix electronics, computer systems, set them up, maintain them, uh, work on computer systems. I can you know, virt- we can cross trained in like setting up networks and servers and all that kind of crazy fun stuff. It's very tech geekish. So right up my alley. Exactly. How about you, John? Uh, well, I was previously a teacher. I was teaching high school. I'm currently uh, unemployed, but I'm currently in a program that Ian probably knows a lot about. I'm currently um, training in the CompTA program for Ooh. IT help desk stuff. Nice. CompTA is pretty good. Yes. Got a couple, and- I got a couple. That's another thing for my job. Like We actually have to have some uh, – Net plus and sec plus net network plus and security plus certs as part yeah. of my job requirements. Yeah, this is like the intro into those programs. So it's going well so far. It's the first week of classes, so a lot of things about hardware and software is currently being hammered into my skull. So Oh, it's fun stuff though. Oh oh it is. I've learned well, more I mean, fun. than I thought in the past three days. <laughs> well, well, fun is a relative term. For me it's fun. That's very true. Um <laughs> Other question is, what is your favorite creature and non-creature spell? So let's start with your creatures. Ian, what's your favorite creature? So I was kind of thinking about this one, and I mean, I, I kind of just got to go with, I, I want to say Blighted Agent, but that's just too <laughs> stereotypical for me. <laughs> um, uh, honestly, I just like Snapcaster Mage. Snapcaster Mage is a solid choice. Val- it's like There's other creatures that are better, but I just... Outside of Infect, my other deck was Grix, like Grixis Delver, and Snapcaster Mage is just value on a card. It's an Ambush Viper, which means you can flash it in, sneak block a player, doesn't have Death Touch, but I mean you get the spell out of it if you want to. So you can, you know, bolt, snap, bolt, and they'll, as old, the line goes, but it's it's a great card. It's a very flexible card, oh yeah. So what about you? What's your favorite creature? Um... I mean, if I wanted to go with like the cop out answer, I would, answer I would choose like Goblin Electromancer, um, but that would be wrong. Um, uh, does Skyship does a Sky Sovereign count as a creature? No. Okay. I mean, partially. <laughs> go for it. It's like half a creature. No, like uh, my favorite creature kind of changes fairly often, but right now I'm going to say that my favorite creature is Titania, Protector of Argoth, because that is the commander deck that I have some of the most fun with. Nice. Oh, I actually thought one of the cards that has kind of the most meaning to me overall is one of the first like there's a couple like my very first rare that i ever cracked was a warhorse or workhorse work work workhorse a workhorse yeah it's the uh one that comes into play with four tokens on you can remove it to it's a zero zero 
uh, four mana artifact creature. I'm looking Zero at it right Zero. now. Um, comes into play with four counters on it. You can remove a counter to add a mana of any color to your mana pool. Very close. You were off yeah. on a few places, but it's, it's been a six a while. mana. Oh, six mana, okay. Zero, zero. Comes into play with four plus one plus one counters on it, and you can remove a plus one plus one counter from Workhorse to add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Oh, it's colorless, right? No, because I remember the artwork had, like, I thought it was colored, like, little rocks. It's it's like a metal horse, and there's a guy grabbing, like, power stones out of the, the center of this horse. Oh, the, hor- the, the art's hilarious. Oh, the art's, the art was ridiculous back in Tempest and, and Tempest Block and stuff like that. But that was one of the first rares I remember opening. But another one that really was, like, the center of, like, piece of my first, like, constructed standard Type 2, whatever the hell it was back in the day deck. Because I, I made a really ridiculous, goofy modification to the old green-white based um pre-con deck from Ursa's legacy that was a beatdown deck that had stuff like um oh god defense of the heart um hidden gibbons i think was in there oh okay i know you i know where you're going but i had a multani marrow sorcerer that i cracked in a pack so me not knowing what the hell i was doing i just threw a bunch of baron's codexes and um spell books in there <laughs> to, to have like some weird combo where I could just draw a bunch of cards and not have to discard and have like a gigantic Multani. Because oh, yeah, Baron's Codex, Baron's Codex was an artifact that I forget the casting cost, but you would get a page counter on it. I think every upkeep, then you could tap it. You pay some mana into it, tap it, sack it, and draw cards equal to the number of page counters on it. But yeah, it was wonky. I didn't know what the hell I was doing back then. <laughs> I, I was young. No one ever does. No one ever does. I didn't know any better, but no, Multani is my bro. Oh, yeah. Now, what is your favorite non-creature spell? I kind of thought about this, and I'm like, oh, what's my favorite pump spell? Cough, cough, in fact. Um, (laughs) But of stuff that I've played, I don't really know, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I, I was thinking just, you know, I had tons and tons of fun in con standard with the uh, the whip decks. Ah, yes, Whip of Erebos. And Whip of Erebos is a hell of a fun card, and it enabled that deck, and it was pretty fun. So that's definitely up there for me, but I don't know, stuff like that and, uh, oh gosh, Dig Through Time are oh, yeah. freaking hilarious. Like, just straight-up busted cards when you get older in the format. Um, also, Sword of Fire and Ice is a fun one that I love just, like, slamming on it like even though it's probably better for me in, like canadian highlander which we'll get to in a minute but like i just love like even if it's not like necessarily the best play i'll always just dig up my sophie and just pop it on the table be like yeah let's do this <laughs> sophie is value upon value um oh that's a great card my How favorite creature spell is probably fortune's favor just because it's so hilarious to watch resolve so what's that do uh, it was, or, yeah, it's Fortune's favorite, right? The the um the new factor fiction from Eldritch Moon. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. your your opponent does the whole. Yeah. So it's three blue. It's three and a blue instant. Your opponent looks at the top four cards of your library. They put uh, they put them into two piles, one face up, one face down. You put one into your hand, the other goes to your graveyard. Just watching that card resolve is hilarious to me. It's my it, it's my favorite just from a pure game design perspective, and it's just hilarious. I love it. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what am I going to say? Wrath of God? Jeez. I mean, that's just like me saying uh, become immense. Yeah. 
Although another <laughs> another card that I love to see people res- that I love resolving is specifically in, in Commander is um, the Great Aurora from Magic Origins because oh, they don't no. expect Wraths from the mono green deck. Dude, that's heinous. <laughs> uh, I have once drawn fifty cards off of it. Thank you very much. What the what? I hope you had a Reliquary Tower in play. Um, no Reliquary Towers in the deck. You're an evil person. I know. All right. Crazy, but evil. Yes. The, look, those are not mutually exclusive. Um, so that does <laughs> it for all of at Ganondorf's questions. Thank you so oh, much actually, for sending your question in. You missed one. What is oh, your favorite? I missed one. Dang it. Yeah, you missed the last one. What is your one favorite you were super format? excited about. Ian, yes. What's your favorite format outside of the main sanctioned formats? Slam. Windmill Slam Canadian Highlander. Like, not even a question. Just slamming it on the table. Where's my 100 card deck? <laughs> Um, I mean, for me, it depends on what you mean by sanctioned. Like, do you mean like you can go to a GP and win packs of it? For example, I'm like pretty sure sanctioned formats. I mean, technically, Canadian Highlanders te- pseudo sanctioned because they have tournaments and they have rules. But I'm pretty sure it's GP sanctioned for that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like if Commander does, doesn't count, then I'm going to pick Commander. If Commander does count, then I'm going to pick Cube because cubing is cube, fun. Cube is big game, but. So I think I think both of us have like alternate pick cube. <laughs> yes, that's definitely Prime, the case. But our primary pick era both hundred card decks. Yes, <laughs> like Commander twenty sixteen comes out this weekend, and oh man, I am excited. Nice. All I right. Pick, I have to figure out which deck I want to get from that. But our next question comes to us from uh, Metalupus on Twitter, and Ian, what did they ask us? So he asked us with Tezzeret and teleportation. Do you think we'll see Phyrexians and new Infect cards soon? So the reference here is obviously to, due to the fact that uh, Rushmi from Kaladesh, in her paradoxical outcome, created a matter tra- a matter teleporter on Kaladesh that Sahili was very concerned about. And for those of you who haven't been following the story, story, well, A, tune in next week, and B, Tezzeret confiscated all of the inventions. So now Tezzeret has a teleporter. And so the first place that people went is Planar Portals. Why Phyrexia? So <laughs> I don't want to see Phyrexians and new Infect cards anytime soon, but I wouldn't be surprised if we did. I'm pretty sure. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but when Maro posted the Storm Scale of which mechanics we'll never see again, I'm pretty sure that Infect rated a 10. Infect was not a 10. It was a, I think it was like an 8 or a 9. Basically, um, you'd have to bend your back just to, you know, even po- possibly get a new Infect card. In, the, in fact, the odds the odds of us ever seeing new cards with the templating of Infect on it again, highly unlikely. Well, the problem with Infect is it's developmentally difficult. Um, for example, if they print another G11 with Infect, it's just going straight into Modern. And I don't think that they yep. want to do that. And I don't think that they can really push it too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, even as it is, people are saying, like, Infect is too powerful, and they're trying to find ways to nerf the deck, which we'll get to in a few minutes, but um, I just don't see them reprinting Infect cards anytime soon. Phyrexian stuff? Most likely. Um, no, I think that this I think, is going more... I, I just think the story is kind of headed towards... We're looping back around, especially going towards um, Amonkhet, seeing Nicol Bol- Bolas again that we're looping back around towards connecting to older stories again. Well, I mean, the big thing from the past, like, few years is that 
all the stories have had Nicol Bolas in the background. Alara has Nicol, had Nicol Bolas in the background, or as the main antagonist. Uh, Zendikar technically had, had Nicol Bolas in the background. Um, then you jump all the way forward to Khans, where Nicol Bolas' actions directly impacted the plane. Then we go to Zendikar, which was back to Zendikar, which was Nicol Bolas. And then we go to um, Shadows, which was very tied into Nicol Bolas and the whole Ugin arc and Soren and Nahiri. And now we're back to Kaladesh, which was kind of our like intermission. And now we're looping back to Nicol Bolas again. So, A, I think the Nicol Bolas fanboys are going to be very happy when Nicol Bolas shows up at Amonkhet. I don't think we're going to get Phyrexians anytime soon, but I think that Tezzeret's going to play a huge role next week. Or not next uh, week, next, next set. You're thinking next week is a story. Yes, I am. Sorry. But that's but, uh, that, that's my thoughts, at least. Yeah, I mean, basically we're just up dead. I don't think that this will necessarily tie into Phyrexians quite yet. This is going to be a long game. So the, here's the question that I have um, kind of tying into this one. Would you rather go back to New Phyrexia, to Mirrodin, to see how all the Phyrexians are holding up there, or would you rather see Phyrexia infiltrate another plane? Um, I don't necessarily think we need to return to New Phyrexia. I think we do, just because just I think it'd be really cool to see what's going on there, and because they seeded the conflict between the Red Faction, led by Urobrask, and the other Praetors. I just would love to see how that plays out, but I don't know exactly how they would execute on it that's my only well, thing and also we've seen it represent well so we've seen it represented most recently in commander 2016 coming out with traxa yep um because basically the four factions aside from urbrask who's red have started working together urbrask is whatever urbrask does, doesn't care he does his own thing yeah they do their own thing i don't know what i mean i think they're some of them are gendered and i believe urbrask has been denoted a he before but Look, I'm, I'm not going to be the one who's going to lift up the T-Rex's skirt to figure out what gender they all are. Yeah, so anyway, um, another thing, though, is we've seen Koth recently in the Phyrexian Arena reprint from uh, Conspiracy 2. So we know Koth's at least alive. So we know Koth is alive, and they, and they did confirm that Koth is still fighting and he's alive. Like, when they came out, I was like, is this, like, back in the day, or is this, like, current in the, the grand scheme, like, current in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. Somebody said that on one of the, the blogs or whatever that, so yeah. we know that the fight, the good fight still lives on. I mean, yes. also, we saw uh, Azuri. Yes, we did see that Azuri completed. was completed, because all must become one. Yep, so, but, yeah, thanks for the question on that one. Awesome. Uh, we have another question coming in from, um, I always don't re- don't know how to pronounce her Twitter handle. Alatriana. Alatriana? Yeah. Now it just makes sense. From yeah. Alatriana. Um, would you prefer to live on a plane ruled by Urza or Nicol Bolas? So this is kind of a weird one because, to be quite honest with you, Urza's a dick. He is kind of like the worst person. He, he – all right. So for those of you who don't know about Urza, he was from Dominaria, and he's basically the reason why Dominaria went to crap. He and his brother, Mishra, with the Brothers' War, led to literally everything wrong that happened that led to, you know, New Phyrexia, all that kind of craziness. He did create the Weatherlight and, you know, the uh, legacy weapon and was kind of a central and background story of, like, 
the Urza block, which led into the Weatherlight Saga, which led into the Wrath Cycle, which led into Prophecy, Invasion, Plane Shift, and Apocalypse, and all that kind of fun times. But he basically wanted to win at all costs, even if it meant strip mining civiliz- strip mining your resources, um, using every last thing he could to win, to beat his brother. And then only to find out his brother had already been turned and it's he he disrupted time streams. He tried to make time bubbles to like to stop the uh, like there was Phyrexian agents and stuff like that trying to infiltrate his academy. So he basically put him in a slow time bubble where time went a lot faster on the inside. But as compared to time went slower on the inside than on the outside. So. What was decades and stuff on the inside was like minutes on the outside, so they can never really kind of get out of it. Like I don't know, it was like the way the time bubbles worked. The Phyrexian agents were able to rebuild and build and build and build and build while moments passed on the outside, and to breach the bubble, they finally were able to, but it took them forever to do it. So this bought Urza and his people at the academy time to fight them, and he had to atone for his sins by building the legacy weapon because he basically destroyed multiple planes like uh for instance sarah the actual planeswalker sarah he led phyrexia to her plane her artificial plane and that's demolished like he has sown ruin and destruction in his wake yeah urza i mean i think the, the, there's a strong argument that urza is like the only five color planeswalker that we know of and yes urza is dead he's deader than a doornail um I think the only good thing that Urza has done was make Karn. And Karn, well, Karn also has Urza's spark. Well, had. He has Venture's spark now. Well, yeah, you know. But, um, so between, all right, so if we're talking like Urza back in the day, Brothers War, blah, 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 give me Nicol Bolas. Here's my thing. With Nicol Bolas, all I need to do is just make him happy. So I'll live in Amon Ket, and I'll be like, hey, hey, Bolas, what do you need? Cool. Got it. Whatever, man. It'd be in that case. It would be Brolus. Yes, <laughs> Nickel Brolus. Never. Yep. Good old Nicky. <laughs> it's a rough question, but I think I think I would lean with Nickel Bolus as well, just because you know where you stand with with Bolus. Urza is a little bit more unpredictable, and also just usually with Urza in his history, it's just been gearing for war. So yeah, I go Nickel Bolus. Next question. The big one, actually. <laughs> Go ahead, Ian. All right, so this is from Frank Kane's Lance 2000. So Kane's underscore Lance 2000 on Twitter. He asks us, do you feel that Become Immense needs a banning in Modern? Um, I'll let Ian go last on this one because I know he has strong feelings on the matter. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I feel that Infect has a fine metagame share as it is. It's a combo deck that's really easy to interact with because it is re- it's reliant on creatures. And I feel like there are enough times that Infect will lose to itself because it didn't, just didn't draw any creatures or it just didn't draw enough pump spells that I don't think Become Immense is the problem. I wouldn't be surprised if something from Infect got banned in the future, but I don't expect it. And if it, something does get banned from Infect, I don't think it's Become Immense. So the reason why this question has actually come up of late is the good old deck Death Shadows aggro which can actually win on turn two by utilizing Become Immense. Basically, if they get to Mishra's Bobble themselves enough times, hit a couple of their, um, go, you know, fetch land, shock myself, 
uh, uh, Gitaxian Probe, Gitaxian Probe, Gitaxian Probe, play uh, Death Shadow on turn one off of that, and then turn two, they can go Simian Spirit Guide, whatever. Bunch I don't of mutagenic deck- growths. Mutagenic growth, mutagenic growth. Next thing you know, you've got this massive thing, and then you go and tap to land, Teamer Battle Rage off of, you know, free mana source, and then if you have, like, a another mana source on turn three, you can just become immense off of it with all those free spell cards you got that hurt you and make yourself big, and it's just... Basically, Become Immense is a lot more of a broken card in that deck. Um, it's Become Immense is like the sole survivor, really, of the pretty busted Delve cards that were printed from Khan's Atark here block. Um, yeah, uh, the Banana King Tassie. is uh, yeah Tassy Sassy Tassy is a uh, he's still around in like some like the Grixis control deck. Um, the one that has kind of really fallen off the map is um, Gurmag Angler because mm-hmm. it's just not not a great meta call anymore for that one. But and then obviously the band become immense and dig through time, or not become immense. Uh, treasure cruise, <laughs> treasure cruise, treasure cruise, and dig through time. Uh, if become and here's my take on the infect side of the house on this one. If become immense gets banned, fine because most infect decks these days don't play groundswell anymore. Having the conditional land landfall trigger to get plus four plus four means you had to craft how you fetched and how you played your lands uh, just to save a landfall trigger to kill. Like looking at the third place deck from Mike May from Grand Prix Dallas Fort Worth, there's not a single instance of groundswell in that deck. The sixth place deck has no groundswell in the deck list. The eighth place infect deck has no groundswell in that deck list. Three of the top eight decks aren't playing what used to be a staple pump spell in the deck. You lose become immense, which is in these decks it's some is a four of, some is a three of. Basically, people are playing it as a four of now. You lose that, you just diversify. Maybe you get a second um, blossoming or third or fourth blossoming defense in there, and you pop three more groundswell in. Infect has pump spell options. Become Immense just takes away some of the bam, got you from your two Infect, and I have two cards in hand. Yeah, you're dead next turn. So that's really all it is. I mean, I think Modern might be a, a more interesting format if all the Delve cards got banned, but I think that some of the Delve cards do do good work, and I think Become Immense is right at the edge of what I would think is more is more is like acceptable. Like, if Become Immense was like give plus nine plus nine, okay, we have an argument now. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a card where at its mana cost of five and a green with delve, it's not stupidly broken, but it's very borderline. If they see if we see other uh, aggro decks are popping up more and more, and it becomes more of ships passing a night of like, I'm going to combo out with my creatures as quickly as I can on you. Yeah, maybe the comments will get banned in the future. Yeah. But for right now, I don't think it needs a banning. All right. Um, some some players will disagree with me. Some first question, John. I think we're on a consensus here that it does not need a banning, right? Yeah, I don't think okay. it needs a banning. So that's just our feelings, and you know we don't know anything. So whatever. No. Um, <laughs> next question <laughs> comes from the eponymous Lord Hosk. For those of you who follow Desert Bus or the Loading Ready Run streams, um, and Lord Hosk wants to know which set is a better set for draft: Beta or Unlimited. <laughs> I kind of have to preface my answer with Hosk always loves to troll, and it's amazing, and I love it. But 
if I'm going beta or unlimited, you just gotta go beta for the black border, man. Yeah, it it's not even close. I mean, well, we also need to acknowledge the fact that these sets weren't meant for drafting. So you're gonna open a pack of beta or unlimited, and you're gonna just like, why are there five basic lands in my pack? Oh my um, god, those are always the funniest things. You see people opening packs, and it's like, and people who don't know that that was the case, like, why are there like four or five lands in this pack? It's like, yeah, about that. They didn't. They were just print. They didn't have land packs at the time. They had to get the lands out into the environment somehow. Yeah. So, I think that I would draft beta as well, just for the black borders, and plus it has it has volcanic island in it. You know, it's like the it's like yeah. the best dual land. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. All right. So, if you were going to do a beta draft, I think you would have to have like an excess of boosters of what you need, and would have to like somehow s- properly seed a booster pack. Oh, no. What I would do is I would do like a beta cube. Is I would like open a bajillion packs of beta, take out all the basic lands, which you would use as your draft <laughs> lands. Like you have no excuse. <laughs> the, fu- the the best part about that is open a bajillion packs of beta. <laughs> I know, right? Ex- it doesn't even exist in that kind of numbers. Like. Just, just off of today's number. No, I'm saying for if you're just going off like straight, straight do- dollar value, like to have a beta cube would just be, you would not, that would not leave your house ever. No, it, it probably wouldn't leave the safe either. So basically, it's like we're playing in the safe tonight, boys. <laughs> we're going to the safe room. Spoiler alert! It's also a, spoiler alert. It's also a humidor. <laughs> All right. Which is actually very bad for magic cards, if I think, if I remember correctly. Probably, but yeah. Anyways, next question comes to us from Adaforthos Mike, who is Mike Lineman of Snack Time podcast fame and the famous uh, MTG art reviews. Yes. Um, and what does he ask us? <laughs> so he's a, he uh, has some doctrines. So he loves do the dogs. Uh, he asked Hound Lord, what does the card have to have? What does the card have to fulfill that the Werewolf Lord didn't hit? So we're Referencing uh, the bomb, I guess you could say, of... I mean, not bomb, like, bomb rare. No, it's like the crash and burn bomb of... Uh, what was his name? Ulrich. Ulrich. See, the, I don't even uh, know. Crawling I don't even remember his name. Yeah, Ulrich of the Crown Horde, who flopped in the eyes of, we want a werewolf lord. It's like, okay, here's a werewolf, uh, legendary werewolf. And everyone's like, that's not what we were looking for. Yeah. Okay. So I already know what my card is. I already know. Okay. So one, the Hound Lord obviously has to give plus one plus one to all hounds. Yep. And uh, whenever a human enters the battlefield, um, you may tap it. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on all hounds you control. Hmm. You know why? Why? Because you got to pet the Doge. Oh yeah, you got to tap, got to lean over. Now remember, plus one plus one counters are actually a pretty good thing to have with hounds. Thanks to cons and dragon, thanks to cons block, because a lot of the Inot creatures without last. Yes. Hounds. They are they are hound they are hound soldiers and whatnot. So I guess I didn't actually acknowledge what what colors my hound lord would be. I'm assuming green white. Yeah, there's some red hounds. You know, some elemental hounds. There's green. There's white. The majority of them are going to be green and white in this one. Yeah, I'm just assuming it's a green white hound lord. That, did that's you know? Me. Did you know that there is a infect hound? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, it's Corpse Curve, four mana, artifact creature, two to hound. When it enters the battlefield, you may return target creature card with infect from your graveyard to your hand. Most commonly found in the green-black variety. Yes. So, so Ian, what would your hound lord have to do to kind of, or maybe what, what would a hound lord have to do that well, would not flop as bad as Ulrich? So beyond the obligatory plus one plus one of a hound, of like, you know, a lord so to speak. 
um, which is the term, by the way, used for anything that gives a bonus like plus one, plus one to a uh, or bo- other bonus besides just plus one, plus one to a specific set of uh, creature type. For example, like Dapala is a dwarf lord and technically a vehicle lord. Yes. Um, so for a helm lord, I, you know, I was trying to think about this one. I would suspect something regarding hound tokens. So you could kind of just say who let the dogs out. This guy. I see. This guy right here. I see. Or maybe have and have something like you know, kind of scaling with how many dogs, how many hounds you have oh, as yeah. well. Oh, also, by the way, uh, the hound lord would give all your hounds vigilance as long as you control the human. I didn't. I didn't say that, but they would. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Let's go with yours. But I like yeah, the token exactly. idea too. Because because who let the dogs out? Who? I did. Okay. <laughs> Next question. We're going back to. Aliantria. Yes? Uh, no. There's an N in there. Alatriana. Alatriana. There we go. <laughs> Figure That's... it out someday. Yeah. All right. We'll get there. Uh, her question, second question was, what is your favorite story segment post-Theros? So, I'll admit, I haven't read the latest couple stories from uh, Kaladesh, but I do know what the storyline entails. However, I would have to go back to the... Uh, I believe it was just Shadows Block, where it was the uh, the letters between... I forget the name of the story. Gisa and Garolf. Yeah, Gisa and Garolf. I forget Chikani. what the name of the story is as well, but... But it was written that, by... Um... Yeah, one that Allison wrote. Um, because it was just such a, like a... It's like, whoa, where did this come from? Kind of thing from Magic Story. Because before, it's like, oh, it's just like these stories and stuff. And this was just like written in letter format between brother and his sister. And it really fleshed out kind of those two characters like almost the point where allison's like it's my children because she really gave them life in terms of because we we had them on cards and stuff like that before and they referenced each other and all that kind of stuff but we didn't have like a good backstory like this like flush it out where it's like it's two siblings they're fighting each other and they're really just actually looking for each other's validation basically i know that they in original industrial they actually had a story of the same type between Gisa and Garolf, where they were sending letters back and forth. And this that one was very well done, and Allison did a fantastic job. And yeah, Gisa and Garolf are just kind of incorrigible siblings. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of my favorite post-Theros uh, post story segments, just because it, it was kind of like away from the norm of what we've been getting. Oh, yeah. Of a lot of more, well, I should say more recently. I mean, I, I did like a lot of the... the cons block stuff like time travel stuff is my jam but oh yeah so about you my favorite story segment i i don't know if i have a number one but um con fall might be the like the best story written in the past four years of magic oh god yeah because con fall just does so many amazing things um narset's uh dragons of tarkir story story from her spoiler article is also fantastic um, I really enjoyed Confall, and I think that one's called Great Teacher Student. Um, I think that the um, sh- the Fire Logic, Chandra's origin story, was also really good. I mean, all the origin stories from Origins were fantastic and tore your heartstrings like nobody's business. Tragedy everywhere. And I also really liked the most recent story um, with Ajani, which I'm trying to remember the name of. Um, I believe it is called Release. With Johnny um, and Tamio and saving um, Nissa and Chandra, 
Like that story is also really fantastic. But but, I think, but God, that's a Jonas music. <laughs> but I have to I have to go with um, Confall is probably if I had to pick one, Confall would be my favorite just because it was just so so good. Solid choice. I do not fault you for that one at all. Nope, not at all. Um, so we got another one from Forthos Mike. What's next for dwarves? Because they came back after a long, long break from the game. Uh, I don't even know how many years it was, but it was basically like from way back in the in like '96, basically when we were still on Dominary way back in the day. Oh yeah. To recently with Kaladesh. Um, what would you? I guess what, more of like what's next for dwarves? Like what are we going to see out of Aether Revolt from the dwarves? Um, I think that the dwarves are going to stay in red white. I think they're going to be very, or stay in mono white, I suppose. Some will go into red, obviously, because that's the vehicle's theme, and the dwarves appear to be messing with vehicles occasionally, with thanks to Depala. Um, I think that we're not going to see dwarves after Kaladesh for a little bit, and I think they were successful enough in Kaladesh that they're going to come back a little bit more often. Like, I don't expect to see any dwarves in Amonkhet. I don't expect to see any dwarves in the block after Amonkhet. Um, maybe in the block after that we could see some dwarves come back, but I would love to see them become kind of the characteristic race for, for, for white, just because um, humans being white's characteristic race is just kind of bland, if that makes sense. Like, blue has um, their characteristic race is the merfolk, black has vampires and zombies, red has goblins, green has elves, and I think mono white needs something a little bit with a bit more fantasy flair than humans well yeah because one thing with humans is they can be in any color yeah it's easy for them to jump back and forth because because i mean you, you'll find creature centric you'll, you'll obviously find creatures in like a lot of the varieties of you know colors but the fact that he like due to you know one we are all humans we are all you know kind of not fallible really but everyone has their foibles yeah. and different motivations and what makes them tick and with humans, it's always in storytelling since whenever humans are always the race that's like we can run the gamut of being like the nice stoic to like the crazy wild. Like, who the heck is that dumb guy over there just making a racket? Yeah. So the the straight motivation of humans can run the spectrum. We oh, need yes. that one that's kind of like anchored down towards this is going to be white. Yeah, my 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 only th- my final thoughts are that are gonna bu- I'm going to borrow from Wizards' other fantasy property D and D, and talking about humans and their alignment. Humans tend towards no particular alignment. The best and the worst are found among them. So, I think that taking humans away as the characteristic race would make a little bit more sense. That's just it. That's just my feeling. Plus, dwarves are cool. Plus, dwarves are cool. Look, man. It's like story wise. Story wise, dwarf. I think. I mean, I think that based off of what we've seen. My guess is the pilots will probably trend more towards the renegade side of things because we have seen like you know, some dwarf soldiers and bodyguards and like the ninth bridge patrol as like you know doing the work of the count. You see them doing the work of the consulate as well as you know being pilots and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll see. Story wise, I think we're gonna get see them on both sides. So it's not gonna oh, be like course. this racist. This race is siding with this side or this. You know, it's it's gonna be both sides and stuff like yeah. that. Well, we have one last question, and this is from uh, Ray FK. Um, good old Jordan. I do not know Jordan. Jordan's a good friend of Ian's, I'm assuming. Yeah, he's uh, obviously seen him this week on Desert Bus. Yes, because uh, he's tech side? Uh, communications. Communications. Blogging, right. I think. All right, anyways. 
Uh, Ray has a very simple question. Um, why does Dix play Infect? Because I like to watch the world burn. That makes Except sense. I don't play burn. No, um, <laughs> so the joke answer is because I hate fun and I like counting to 10. Uh, the actual answer is when I was getting into modern, uh, I was like, I just come back to the game. I'd wanted to get into modern. I missed the first modern masters by just a hair. So I was like, modern seems like a really cool format, but I just don't have the commitment into magic quite yet. So I'm going to build up my cards and do this. And I was just like, no, wait, nope. Price are going up. I need to get into modern now. What deck should I play? And God, I honestly forget who it was. A bunch of people suggested, you know, some people suggested Infect, some suggested Tron, some suggested uh, Pod. Oh, no, I think Pod had just gone away at this point. No, Pod wasn't no. banned yet. Pod was just on the Resurgence. Deathrite Shaman just got banned, I believe. Okay. So they were like, you should play Jump. And I'm like, Jump's too expensive. And they were like, you should play, you know, uh, what's it called? Twin. And I was like, the combo seems kind of fun. Someone mentioned Infect, and I was just like, I looked into it. I watched it. I, I watched a bunch of videos of you know people like Tom Ross playing it and stuff like that. And I was like, yo, this deck looks hilarious. This yeah. is what I want to do because it's just like I play this little dinky guy, and next thing you know, you're dead. That's yeah. cool. There you go. So it's probably the same reason I play Storm because I saw John Finkel play it at the Pro Tour, and I was like, that deck looks sweet. Right. So like, I built it. I mean. To be fair, like a lot of people who are like, "Yeah, this is my pet deck," it's like they probably saw it played or someone suggested it as a deck, and they went and looked at it, and they're like, "That is my jam." I mean, not all of us can be like Zach Elsick and just construct an archetype out of draft chaff, like he well, did with Landry it, it Control. Was, it wasn't just him that did it. It was the I magic. Know. It was empty. So everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Zach Elsick." But I was like, "No, no, no." My buddy uh, Joseph Dunlap wrote a great article. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes uh, regarding this was back from last year uh, in the the fall modern GP of Oklahoma, or summer of GP Oklahoma City in 2015 where he won with Lantern Control. Uh, it everyone's like, oh my god, he built it. He's like, no, no, no. It was a community built deck based off of the people at um, some forum threads on I think MTG Salvation yeah. that had literally built the deck and tuned it over the span of like three or four years, like just yeah. slowly cobbling it together. And then finally they got like a critical mass of cards and now it's getting more cards. And everyone's just like, Oh God, this is going to go good in lantern control. Oh no. So <laughs> it hit the big time and Zach Elsick popularized it. And he also, he also does make some pretty cool decks. Like I have a Grixis mid range modern deck that he's built that doesn't run Liliana the veil, but it does run Liliana the last hope in it. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Liliana the Last Hope surprisingly relevant in modern. That minus one though. That, or, that minus but two. The, the, plus the, one. The, the, no, 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 the the one where it gives minus X. Yes. I think it's a minus two minus one. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a very relevant ability. I should have said the minus one to toughness. Yes. There we go. Anyways, uh, that does it for our questions. You all, thank you everyone who sent us in a question once again. That's uh, at Ganondorf, Metalupus. Say it for me because I can't say it anymore. Alatriana. Alatriana. I'll, I'll say it like a hundred times in the bathroom or something. I don't know. <laughs> Kane's Lance, Lord Hosk, Vorthos Mike, sure. and Ray FK. Thank you guys so much for your questions. And um, hopefully, when we have a mailbag in the future, we'll have even more questions to go through. And hopefully, they'll be just as good as all of these questions were. Yeah. Thank you, everybody who did send questions in. So um, we're going to do the outro, but Ian is going to be out 
next week, which is why we're having our special. We're gonna have a special guest next week. Um, we're gonna have Carrie back for our story breakdown. But Ian, real quick, where are you going to be that you'll be so busy that you won't have time for me? I won't have time for this show, and you find lovely folks at home. But like I said, John said we're gonna be in, we're gonna have the good hands of Carrie with us, so they will be an excellent guest host uh, in my stead to help catch you up on all things story related with john but i will be at desert bus for hope we already mentioned this kind of briefly throughout the thing in spots um but it is the online charity fundraiser event that my, my friends at loading ready run hold every year this is the 10th year of the desert bus for hope thing they are a we're a charity fundraiser that uh plays the worst game most boring game in the world so you don't have to and we raise money for the children through Child's Play Charity, which donates money to women's shelters, or domestic abuse shelters, I should say, uh, because it can be both, uh, domestic abuse shelters and hospitals, uh, children, namely children's wards, so that the children can be kids. Uh, it has been found that children who are in these hospitals who are able to play games and read books and play board games and video games get better faster because uh, they don't have to worry about just being in a hospital because you can't bring your own stuff into a hospital. So... Uh, the Child's Play Charity has partner hospitals and shelters all around the world, and they donate their money to them and help buy them a bunch of goodies and stuff like that every year. Uh, we've raised over $3 million in the nine years so far. I am the head chat moderator for it, and you can find out all this information and a heck of a lot more. And watch the run, which starts this Saturday on November 12th at 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Wow. November 12th, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, you can find all this information and more at desertbus.org. That is D-E-S-E-R-T-B-U-S dot org. Uh, you can also follow on Twitter at, at desertbus and me as well because I'll be tweeting out a bunch. But the reason why you fine folks at home should listen is because Wizards of the Coast themselves have donated a ton of stuff. We don't. I don't even know how much stuff they've donated, but... Uh, I know Watsy Twitter accounts have said we had a lot of stuff we just dug up and people have donated out of their own personal collections to the bundles this year from what I've seen and heard on the Twitter sphere and other channels. But basically you will have live auctions, silent auctions and donation drive giveaways because you can't call them raffles on Twitch. So it's at <laughs> twitch.tv slash desertbus, desertbus.org at desert bus it's a great charity i highly recommend you check it out we're going to be making fools of ourselves on the internet to raise money for children we bus as long as you got as your donations come in uh and i will we'll put it we have a link in the show notes for any more information you could possibly want on this so john i know yes. oh and myself dixon ij d-i-x-o-n-i-j on twitter and twitch is twitch tv slash dicks but like i said i'll be at desert bus until the episode right before thanksgiving oh, on yes. 39th or 39th episode so yes. john where can they find you my friend you guys can find me on twitter at jwiley129 and i also encourage you to go watch desert bus because some of the things that people have or magic has donated or wizards have donated or people have donated include that is magic related foil uncut sheets of magic cards Commons and uncommons mm -hmm. as well as rares and mythic rares. Um, full commander sets, um, just booster like booster boxes, fat 
or bundles as they're now called, singles, just so many th- crazy things get auctioned off. And that's yeah. only the magic stuff. That doesn't count the fact that we have pieces of art. We have the we have the desert busters, desert busters who cra- who craft alongside everyone all each other and donate mm-hmm. like stained glass, blankets, quilts, hats, backpacks. They gave away a hamburger backpack last year. I know, so good. Steven Universe references. Yeah. Um, um, also, yeah, Dan, they, what shift are you? I am the night shift, so you'll find me at on usually for I'll be working six p.m. through about nine a.m. So it's the night night shift and most commonly known as Zeta shift, which is the time of night where people just get loopy because we've been up for so long and it's the middle of the night when we should be sleeping, but we're forcing our bodies to stay awake. So things get a little weird. Yes. Um, and also if on- you miss anything on the stream, there's also a YouTube channel. Um, just youtube.com slash desert bus. I believe it's desert bus. It might be desert bus for hope. We'll, but- we'll put the, uh, we'll put the link in the chain. Yeah. Our video strike team has become incredibly adept over the years at you can, Oh, uh, at being able to generate the video clips off of the Twitch VODs. Like you like for before it's like, Oh yeah, we'll do it like towards the end of the run. But now it's like something will, if something happens, it'll be on YouTube basically within 20 minutes plus however long it takes to upload the video to YouTube. Yeah. And Just- also we have an amazing, like I said, I'm a, the main chat mod. We have an amazing, amazing, amazing Twitch chat environment that we have, carefully crafted over the years if you guys want to hang out and have fun with some great people and chat it's a good time yeah desert bus is definitely a place for the power of positivity that ha- it's a shame it only happens once a year but man what a the amount of, of year it is the amount of planning that they, they plan basically 10 months of the year for this dang event so oh, yeah. it, it, a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of sweat and tears go into it so please do check us out it's going to be a good time so um that's where you can find us on social media. That's where Ian's going to be next week. Uh, make sure you leave your, you give us your feedback, what you like, what you don't like, on the different social medias. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so at Eyes on the Mize. Or if you have any more personal questions, you can shoot us e- an email at Eyes on the Mize at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next time.